have a storm going on outside, um, but nothing too serious yet. But if it turns into a warning, um, we will have the option of moving over here where there's less windows if you would prefer. So we're keeping our eyes on that, um, just so you know that if that happens, there's this option to move over here, and we'll let you know. We'll keep you updated. Uh, Bob is going to share with us today. Bob's a wonderful man of the Lord. And he loves to speak into people's lives and encourage people. And so he's going to do that for us tonight. So I'll bless him and we'll let him run with it. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now just to come and um, speak through Bob to uh, bring him clarity and purpose and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? Oh, that's so kind. Who was here yes, last week? Who was here last Tuesday for the message? A fair amount of people were talking about the harvest last week. There are a lot of people that need to hear the gospel, right? And we are called to be a light of Christ's heart, of his character. And what I'm going to be speaking about tonight actually is complementary to the harvest. We need the harvest, but we also need wholeness, If I were to ask, and don't raise your hands, if I were to ask, and you were to really be honest with yourself and think about it, I would say, how many of you really feel like you're whole human beings? I probably wouldn't see too many hands raised. Okay? So, you're a Christian, and we are called to give as Christians. But you know what? The support of that giving is receiving. We as Christians need to receive. We need to have our needs met. And the truth is, I'm a broken person. But you know what? In my brokenness, I can release power. I can release love. I can be outward focused. And I can see fruit come out of that. I know of broken people who are going after the harvest and the kingdom who maybe shouldn't be. And the reason why is because they're looking to their ministry, to their souls, to try and validate themselves. They're, in effect, using ministry in order to get a sense of identity and value. And when you have hurt and broken people that are trying to make a name for themselves, people get hurt. And I know of people, I I obviously won't name names, but I know of people who are in this situation right now And I think that maybe they're hurting the kingdom cause more than they're helping. And that's nothing to take lightly. There are others of us who are really broken. And maybe we're too focused in ourselves. Maybe we're we're in a prison of our own emotions. And maybe the best thing for us is to turn outward and to start focusing on other people a little bit more and start giving. So there has to be a balance. And you have to tend to your heart. The reality is, God cares more about you than your ministry. You're not some cog in his kingdom plan. You're a beloved son. You're a beloved daughter. And you need to see yourself as that. He cares about your needs. He cares about your emotions. So I wanted to to just mention that before we get into the main focus tonight, and it is on inner healing prayer. God has such a a tender, 
gracious, loving heart. He cares for us more than we can comprehend. Any love, any tenderness, any comfort that mother, father, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, child has given you is nothing compared to the love of God. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And in Isaiah 61.1, this is referring to Jesus, says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because, now let's, let's just look at this because. Why? Why did Jesus get anointed with the Holy Spirit? There's more than one reason, but this is one of the main reasons. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's one of Jesus' main reasons for coming to the world. It's one of his main reasons for meeting with us tonight is to bind up the brokenhearted. And as I was praying tonight, I heard God speak to me about something very specific. And what's going to happen tonight, some of your hearts are going to get stirred. And God's presence, his anointing is going to come. And you might feel like crying you might feel very tender and sensitive. And if that's the case, I want you to know this is a safe place to be yourself. This is a safe place to be vulnerable. And I honor you. And I honor your emotions. And God honors your emotions. And we cover and we bless one another. Raise your hand now. I'm going to raise my hand because I'm one of these people. How many here come from a divorced family? Raise your hand. Okay, so we have, we have a fair amount of people here. Okay, now let me ask you this question. How many of you who come from a divorced family have ever emotionally engaged with the pain that comes from divorce? Raise your hand. Some, some. When I was six, my parents got divorced. And I was too young to understand that. All I knew is once, Dad wanted to be around me. I would go to bed at night. My mom and Dad would be together, side by side, on the couch, watching TV, and I remember the song of some TV shows like, we're going to make it after all. And there, there, is, there is so much hope. There is so much hope in this warmth because mom and dad were together and that created this emotional foundational safety for me. And I would go to bed. I'd go through the living room. I'd go to bed into my room. My brother was there. And I'd look outside of my door and I would see the light was on. And I felt love. And that love that I felt as a child emotionally made me feel safe. And I could go to bed quickly. But then all of a sudden, Dad wasn't there anymore. 
And I didn't know why. I was too young to understand that. And mom changed. Mom didn't want to express herself anymore. She didn't want to connect anymore. She got very with, with, withdrawn from herself and from her kids and from life. She didn't want to stay up as late as she used to. And now I would go to bed. I didn't hear we're going to make it after all. All I did is I went to bed, and I looked outside my door, and I saw pitch darkness. And you know what entered into my heart? Fear, anxiety, aloneness. I'm no longer protected. I'm no longer safe. And there was a dread there because Dad wasn't there anymore, and Mom wasn't the way she used to be. And when you're a child, that amount of pain... Now, for those of you who have not been from a divorced home, some of you may come from homes where your parents are still legally married. And they're still under the same house. But relationally, they are pretty much divorced. I've seen those kind of marriages too. And that can have the same kind or similar devastating effects on a person's heart. Okay? Some pain is so deep. If you don't have anybody there to comfort you or to lead you through that pain... You don't understand what's going on. It overwhelms you, and it gets shoved into the recesses of your being. And you get emotionally disconnected to all this pain. And then you start growing up into young adulthood or beyond, and there's something deep inside of you that makes you feel worse than a lot of others around you. You feel more insecure. You feel more alone. You feel more unloved. You feel more unwanted. That's the kind of thing, that's the fruit of having all this toxic pain connected to divorce. So the Bible says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if something that devastating happens to me, and I can't mourn over that, I can't engage that pain, and I'm not comforted, I'm in a very horrible place. Okay? Some time ago, the Lord, after, after many years, remember I said I was six years old when this happened, okay? I'm, I'm a young adult now. All these years, never connected with that, never came to the surface. And here's what God did. Sometimes God speaks to me through movies. I always want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, what to watch, or anything like that. But he had me watch this one, and there was a scene where I saw this young married couple and you, you looked at it from the outside, and you can see their silhouettes through the window. And they were together. They were dancing. They had music on. The, the night, night had come. The sun had set. And there was love just filling this home. And then as time passes, there's the strife. There's the yelling. There's the fighting. That unity, that sweetness is now spoiled. And anger has taken over. And separation. And pain. Such deep pain on both sides, and then one of them leaves. And the one who's left in that house is so despondent and so sad and so alone and feels so rejected. And the house just starts to crumble. And I think that house very much represents that man's heart, that woman's heart. When you have that depth of rejection as a spouse or as a child, your heart starts to crumble 
What does Jesus want to do with this? I think tonight, we're going to talk about more than just divorce, but this is the main practical application of the message. I think the Lord wants to bring some comfort to some of us tonight and some of those of us who have deep buried pain that we're not in touch with. God wants it to come to the surface so that we can start to mourn and process it and move on with our lives. We're going to come back to divorce at the end of this message. I'm going to ask you some other questions. Is it hard for you to be vulnerable? Do you have a fear of rejection that always keeps you at arm's length with others? Is it hard for you to give or receive love from others in a deep way? Do you get anxious when you are around people? Do you always feel isolated whether you're with people or not? And if you say yes to any of those questions, you need some deep inner healing. It's holding you back from love and community. 2 Corinthians 1.8. This is the Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle in the history of Christianity, speaking from his heart. 2 Corinthians 1.8 says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, which means all of his internal strength, all of his emotional capacity, whatever circumstance that he was in, what he could find in himself, his emotional resources were not enough to match with the external pressure, the external weight that that just uh, crushed him. It says that he despaired even of life. The mighty Apostle Paul, so strong in the Lord, despaired of life. If somebody like him can get to a place where he despairs of life, maybe I don't have to feel so ashamed if I've come there before, if I'm there right now. Maybe that's a part of being human in a broken world. Maybe that's part of being a Christian in an environment where there's a spiritual war going on that maybe I'm pretty disconnected to. Okay? Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But what happened? Was that the end of the story? Was hopelessness the end of the story? Or is it the end of our story if we despair of life? Paul goes on to say this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And some of us, our hearts are dead. Some areas, chambers in our hearts, they are dead. And God wants to raise them up tonight. God wants to bring life and love and freedom and liberty to these areas of our hearts. Like Paul, I've come to this many times where I am beyond myself. Emotionally, circumstantially, I can't meet what is coming at me. And it's brought me to a place, I I, I think a good way to describe it is on my knees, in desperation to God. I cry out to him in desperation, in need, because I am desperate. And some of you have been there too. And what happens? A loving God meets me there, right? Right? Why did Paul say, I want to know the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his suffering? Maybe there's something so valuable about suffering, the suffering that we hate, that we're afraid of, that we don't want to go to. Maybe there's something so redemptive and so valuable about suffering that God allows us to go through it 
in order that we might be transformed and that he might comfort us and we might know him in a way we otherwise never would. What do you think Paul did after that despairing of life? He encountered God in a deeper way, and I think what he did for the kingdom was greater because he had more of God. He was more rooted and grounded in the love of God in the midst of his weakness. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And you know, sometimes the troubles that I'm in are because I got myself into those. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't, right? And I think we can all be there. We might think, well, God's not going to want to help us. God's not going to want to comfort us. We did this ourselves. We are buttheads. We are putzes. But according to this verse, it says that in all our troubles, even when I've made mistakes, even when I have rebelled against a loving father in unbelief, I believe some sort of lie or the pain in my heart has so driven me to seek pleasure in a way that's destructive, it says here that God's going to comfort me, that he's not ashamed But he loves me and he wants me and he cares about the fact that I hurt myself and maybe I hurt somebody else. He's not going to point the finger at me. He's going to open up his arms tenderly and he's going to invite me in and he's going to let me hear his heartbeat. No matter what I did, I'm forgiven. I'm loved. He's not going to reject me and he's going to minister to my heart and heal me of whatever issue I'm struggling with. When that happens, Paul goes on to say, when we're comforted by God supernaturally, we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It looks like if we've come to a place in desperation and God has met us with comfort and ministered to our hearts, healed us, given us hope and understanding and transformation, it looks like what Paul's saying here is that now I have an authority and a power to release that kind of love to other broken people who desperately need comfort. Okay? That's one of the blessings of overcoming brokenness is you can help others overcome their brokenness. God cares about our feelings. He wants to bring us to wholeness. He wants to bring us to maturity. And he is able to do this. Human beings are not able to do this. We are not able to heal our hearts. But God is the one being in the universe who can And he wants to. So I want to make my heart available to him. What are some causes for emotional pain? Rejection from a friend? Spouse? Parent? Death of a parent? Divorce, as we talked about before? Emotional abuse from a friend, a spouse, a parent, a relative? Neglect? Childhood pain has the deepest impact on your heart. Parental neglect and abuse causes the greatest damage to our hearts and identities. Unresolved childhood pain will toxify our adult life, darkening our emotions and damaging our relationships. Some of us, I talked to a guy last week, a very nice guy, a student. He told me that one of his friends, he likes this guy a lot, one of his friends got in a codependent, unhealthy relationship, and he challenged him on that because he thought it was unhealthy, and he thought he was loving this friend, 
by saying, this isn't good. You know what the friend's response was? I don't want to be your friend anymore. Okay? That, that's not a healthy response. That's not a loving response. That's a painful response. And if we have a hard time with our relationships and our marriages and um, would be with, with marriages with friends, with parents or ourselves, if we don't like ourselves, then we've got to deal with this pain. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, a, that's Satan. That's the kingdom of darkness. They have an agenda, right? Those, those demonic powers, they are active. And they work through brokenness. They exploit our brokenness. They exploit our deficit. They exploit our, our pain. And if we feel rejected, they will piggyback on that. If we're hurt, they'll piggyback on that. If we're insecure, they'll throw some supernatural demonized anxiety and fuel our insecurities. And all this stuff will cause more isolation because their goal is to take us out, separate us from people that love us, make us think nobody cares, get us to withdraw from reality, from people, close our hearts, nobody's safe. If we're at that place, Satan's got a lot of authority over our lives. That's a very dangerous place to be, and I've been there. That's a scary place to be. That's a lonely place to be. And you're so susceptible to lies. You're so susceptible to emotional manipulation and misinterpretation of what people say and do. You think everybody's rejecting you. You're looking at life and relationships through a lens. And God, you're looking at God through a lens of your brokenness. Anger happens when I'm hurt. My natural response is to get angry. The Bible says if I don't let the sun go down on my anger, Satan gets a foothold. And us as, as children, some of us going through all these, this childhood pain, and we didn't know how to steward our anger. So we might have some deep strongholds in us. And there might be circumstances where the pain just, just gets us and the anger comes out and, and we just lose control. And we hurt people that we love. James understands this reality, James 3.6. Who is he addressing in James? Who, is he writing to non-Christians or is he writing to Christians? He's writing to Christians. You got it. James 3.6 says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's a pretty strong statement. Have you ever had your tongue set on the fire of hell and hurt people that you love? Like really hurt them? I have. I'm not proud of it, but I have. He's addressing Christians. Demons, demonic powers can heavily influence what comes out of our mouths. And our words can cause others great damage. When we are hurt by others... You know what happens? Our hearts don't want to get hurt anymore, and so they guard themselves. They start to shut down emotionally. I can be with you physically, but emotionally, my heart is closed. I'm not letting you in because you're a threat to me now. You're not safe. You didn't steward my heart well. You hurt me. You didn't respect me, and I think you're a threat. And I might be a person who thinks everybody's a threat that way, and so I let nobody in. You know what? We live off of more than food. We live off of love. What Satan wants to do is bring so much offense and so much pain 
that we close down our hearts because we're afraid of being rejected and misunderstood and hurt again. And all of a sudden, the, our quality of life is horrible. We're not enjoying life. We're enduring life. And maybe some of us might want it to end because it's so unendurable. You know, the answer for you is, God, give me the grace to forgive who hurt me, to start taking risks again, and to start trusting. I'm not going to receive love from people, doesn't matter how loving they are, unless my heart is vulnerable and open to receive that love. Then I'll get fed. But I have to be vulnerable. I have to trust. If I don't, that love's going to bounce right off. It's not going to minister to me at all. How do we work with the person of the Holy Spirit to bring inner healing in the lives of our brothers and sisters? 1 Corinthians 3.9 says we are co-workers with God. We work side by side. God invites us. He empowers us. He leads us. And we, us and God, we go together to a, a person. It could be a broken person in this context. And we listen to God. And we release the grace and the power and the comfort. We hear words from God and we speak those words to that person. And things start to happen that are supernatural, and they start to get healing and liberty. I like to ask God when I'm doing inner healing prayer with people, and I do it very regularly on the phone, in person. I'll just, I'll just do something that can just be so simple. I'll say, God, bring a memory to the surface. And a memory will come. And the person will think it's so insignificant, and here's why. Because usually they can intellectually remember what happened, but emotionally they are so severed from that memory. If they can't emotionally engage the memory, that means there's some pain deep within them that they are disconnected to that's toxifying them. And what God wants to do is get that pain to the surface so it can be released and that person can be emotionally healed in their heart. Okay. As I do this with people, oftentimes they will cry. And that's a good thing. That means they're releasing the pain. I want to be a safe person, right? When I'm doing this with somebody, I'm not loud. I'm not overbearing. I'm humble and my voice is soft. And, and I really want to engage the love of God. And I really want to attune to their heart. And when they feel safe, they feel safe around me. They can let their heart express itself again. There are some people that I work with, they don't feel safe being around anybody else or being that vulnerable. So if you really have an intention to be a safe person, you can see so much deep and lasting fruit get released into other people's lives. So I come as a safe, humble, loving, tender person and I honor their feelings. And as that memory comes to the surface, I ask God something. Now, Satan's a father of lies, and he keeps us bound through lies. So when we go into this memory, I invite the Holy Spirit to expose the lies that that person believed and felt is true about themselves, God, their identity, 
how they deserve to be treated. And God will start to reveal those lies. There are fundamental, foundational memories that where lies entered our lives. Lies are demonic strongholds in the context of what I'm telling you. For the first time, God usually brings us to these original lies in our experience because that's where the root of the demonic stronghold is buried within us. And if we bring healing to that area, all of these other experiences that are in a similar vein of the original are going to lose their power. It's like going to the light socket. You know, you got your Christmas lights and you got like a 50 light string. You go to your light socket where it got plugged in the first line memory, you pull it out, and the power of all that all those negative experiences, boom, it just it dies. It's no longer fueled by this pain anymore. So I'm gonna take some of these concepts and we're gonna address it to the subject of divorce. Okay? So some of us our parents got divorced. Some of us, whether you realize this or not, in your heart, some of us think it was our fault. And you know, my mother directly told me that it was my fault, that my parents got divorced, my birth was too much for the marriage. You know what that does to a child? But whether your parent says that to you or not, if it happens when you're that young, children internalize most everything that happens around them. And so the child will think if they got divorced, you know, between zero and ten of their parents got divorced, they're, somewhere they're going to believe the lie, it was my fault. Okay? They're going to they're believe another lie, and this lie is, dad doesn't want to be around me. They're not old enough to understand or comprehend the dynamics of divorce. All they know is their circumstance and their feelings. And they can say, Dad was here, he's not here anymore. And there's so much pain. And it could be mom, it could be mom left the family. There's so much pain connected to that. I would just like to throw this out to you guys. What are some other lies? If you come from a divorced family or you don't have to come from a divorced family, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release and reveal lies that have come into our lives, our hearts, for those who come from a divorced family. What are the lies? God, expose them so that your spirit can bring deliverance tonight. Don't be bashful. Just throw them out. Good. I'm on my own. Mom and dad aren't going to protect me anymore. Usually it's dad. Okay. So parents got divorced. That means my dad rejected me or my mom. And therefore I deserve to be rejected because my parents are the God-given authorities over my life. And what they do, I believe, is right and natural for adults and men and women to do. They're my standard. Okay. And as we do this, I'm just going to, for those of us who have been divorced, whether you do it in your heart you, you, or, or you, you do it out loud, if you come from a divorced family, I'm just going to say this slowly, and I want you to agree with some of these lies, um, renouncing some of these lies. So, Heavenly Father, we renounce the lie that we deserve to be rejected by our parents who got divorced. And we renounce the lie that it was our fault that our parents got divorced. 
We renounce the lie that we're on our own because our parents got divorced. We renounce the lie that we don't deserve our father's love or our mother's love because our parents got divorced. We renounce the lie that you wanted our parents to get divorced. We renounce the lie that we deserve to be alone. We renounce the lie that we're not worth having a family, that we don't deserve a family, or that we don't deserve a family's love. We renounce a lie that we don't deserve to be protected. You know how many women come from a divorced family and they try to find love through their sexuality and they get so hurt and used by men because their dad wasn't there to protect them. Our identity comes from our parents, at least the foundations of our identity. Our sense of value comes from our parents. And if they weren't able to provide us a loving, safe, secure home, we got a big deficit. And it makes us very vulnerable and susceptible to being used and abused. So, Father, we just forgive our dads for not being there to protect us and guard us. Lord, we forgive our dads who instead were emotionally absent, physically absent, Lord. We forgive our dads for abandoning us. Lord, we renounce the lie that we have to be afraid that we're always going to be abandoned, that we're always going to be alone, that we can't trust father figures, God. Lord, as some of our fathers left us, we renounce the lie that that you're going to stop loving us and leave us. We renounce the lie we have to be afraid of that. Are there any other lies that come to mind? That's a good one. Lord, we renounce the lie that our parents got divorced because we're not lovable. And we declare the truth that we are lovable, that we are worth loving, that we are worth being faithful to. Are there any other lies anybody has out there? What's that? Belittlement. Okay, so we renounce the lie that we are not significant enough to have a dad or to have a faithful father to be committed to his family or that we deserve to be belittled because our parents were divorced. We renounce the lie that we're less valuable than those who come from families that weren't divorced. And Father, we just also give our lack of value and self-worth over to you where our dads and our moms were not able to impart love and affirmation and support and compassion and tenderness and a meaningful bond with our hearts. Lord, we just ask that you would, as the father of the fatherless, release those things into our lives that our dads and our moms couldn't. And Father, we also forgive our families and our parents for being too broken to be able to attune and focus on the pain that our parents' divorce caused us, where we believe the lie that our pain was not important, that we renounce the lie that our pain's not important. And we just declare that how we feel is really important to you, Father. 
we renounce a lie that we don't deserve to be comforted. We renounce a lie that we don't deserve to be understood. We renounce a lie that our voice and our needs don't matter. Lord, our, our, our parents who made us feel like our needs did not matter, that all that mattered was what they wanted, and that we just had to make them feel good, and then we could get attention from them, Father. We just renounce a lie that our needs don't matter. We declare that our needs are important, and they are worth meeting, and our hearts are important, and our safety is important. We declare those truths. Any other lies that come to mind? Ah, that's a good one. We have to prove our worth. That is, that is a biggie. That we're powerless, okay? Okay. So, Father, we just renounce a lie that we don't deserve a quality love. We renounce a lie that we're powerless. And what was the first one somebody said? Oh, we renounce a lie that we have to prove our worth to ourselves, to our parents, to you, God. We renounce a lie that we have to earn our value that we have to earn love and attention and affection from our parents or friends or spouse or from you. And we forgive our parents for so misrepresenting you in these areas, God. We just renounce the lie that you're a God that we have to prove ourselves to. We renounce the lie that we have to earn your love, that we have to earn our worth. I thank you, Jesus, that you proved our worth to you on the cross, that you say we're worth dying for. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for the ungodly. God, you chose us from before the foundation of the world, no matter what failures or brokenness that we had or will have. It did not stop you from wanting us. It did not stop you from loving us. And we just renounce the lie that you will ever love us any less or ever love us any more. Because it's not based on us, it's based on you, on your character and your merit, God. And you choose to love us for eternity. I thank you for your word that says we are accepted in the beloved. And I'm going to ask you guys, those of you who come from a divorced family, we're going to formally do this together. And you know, if you're comfortable with this, sometimes, again, the pain is so deep. And we need the grace of God to forgive. Some of us had parents who so betrayed us. They so abandoned us. They so let us down and so broke our hearts that we don't want to forgive them because that's all we think we have is our anger or our unforgiveness when we use that as a protection from our vulnerability. But the truth is, if we're willing to let that go, God's going to bring us freedom. He's going to bring us restoration. And forgiving somebody doesn't mean it was okay what they did. You know, the Bible says God hates divorce. There's a reason for that. Look at all the brokenness it causes, right? God hates divorce, right? That's a breach of covenant. That's a big deal to the Lord, and it's a big deal to us. So I'm going to ask you, if you feel comfortable with this, those of you who do, just raise your hands if you come from a divorce background and want to do this prayer with me. We're going to ask God for the grace to forgive our parents for divorcing one another. And I believe God's going to bring a lot of breakthrough to people who say yes to this. Okay? I see, I see some shy hands come, and I honor you. I bless you. I honor you, and I bless you who feel comfortable enough and safe enough
to do this. And those of you who see hands raised, please put your hands on them. And please pray from the depths of your heart and ask for God's love to fill your heart for those people who have this pain that they have to deal with because it's such a big deal. Okay? So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. We invite you into our anger. We invite you into our disappointment. Our parents hurt us. They let us down. We didn't get the love we needed. And we're so broken. And we're so desperate for healing. And we ask, Father God, that you'd give us the grace. Give me the grace to forgive my mom and to forgive my dad for the pain they caused me. I didn't deserve it, and you didn't want it for me. I deserved better, and I do deserve better. So in Jesus' name, I forgive you, Dad, for leaving my mom and leaving my family for not being there for me, for not protecting me, for not playing with me, for not teaching me how to grow into adulthood. I forgive you, Dad, for choosing your own needs and wants above my own. And because I felt rejected by you and abandoned, I rejected you in my heart. And I repent of that. And Father God, I choose to accept my broken father. And I bless him. And all the shame of my fatherlessness I ask God that you would break it. I don't have to be ashamed because my dad wasn't there for me. And I don't have to be alone because my dad wasn't there for me. And I repent of self-rejection and self-hatred because I thought that's the way I deserved to be treated. I choose to accept myself and I choose to love myself. And I repent, Father, for mistreating myself 
because I believe the lie that I deserve to be like treated like trash. But I don't deserve to be treated like trash. I deserve to be loved. And I choose to forgive my mom for divorcing my dad, for not reconciling, for not working it out for my sake. And I felt so unloved and hurt and unwanted and rejected by her. And I forgive my mom for closing her heart to me. I needed comfort, but she couldn't comfort me. I needed to be held, but she couldn't hold me. And Father God, I renounce the lie that I don't deserve to be comforted and held. I renounce the lie that my emotions aren't worth loving and my feelings and my heart aren't worth comforting. And Heavenly Father, I forgive my mom for being demanding and critical. And I forgive her for making me feel like I had to earn my place in her life, that I had to perform to get her love or else I'd be rejected. I renounce the lie that I deserve to be treated that way. And I ask you, Father, my loving dad, who cares about my feelings, to hold me and comfort me the way you always wanted me to be comforted. You will never hurt me. You will never abandon me. You will always be there for me, no matter what. You won't criticize me. You will always support me, no matter what. You're a faithful dad. And I belong in your family forever. And you're going to treat me well and meet my needs and play with me and make me smile because you love to be with me to spend time with me and bring me joy. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I honor you guys so much for being brave enough to enter into that. And I know because I can feel when the Holy Spirit's moving on people's hearts, I can feel it very powerfully and very sensitive to that. A lot of people got some really deep and special healing tonight. And some people, I think, have been able to start that process where they've just tonight engaged emotions they've never engaged before. I want this place now to just be consecrated to the continued work of healing, of emotional healing. And if anyone wants to come up front, we're going to bring some of the altar ministers to the front. If you have any other needs besides healing, feel free to bring them up. If you want to pray with each other, I I encourage you, since we're on the topic of inner healing, break up in groups of two or three and share as you feel comfortable with any other areas of healing that you need and pray for God as comforter to come bring you wholeness and try to be vulnerable with this in in appropriate ways and God will meet you. Okay, so let's start doing that now in altar ministry. Let's come forward. Those of you who want more prayer for emotional healing regarding divorce, please come forward as well.